And welcome to a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing, Seth? I'm good. All right. This episode of the Electric Podcast is brought to you by Electrify America, the largest public fast charging network in the U.S. Uh, we're going to have a little bit more to say about them later on the show. But thanks, Electrify America, for sponsoring this episode of the Electric Podcast. If you're a fan of the show, uh, let us know by uh, doing a quick like on the uh, on the video right now. That helps a lot with the algorithm. And it's free to do, so go at it. And uh, let's uh, let's jump in right away because uh, we have a lot of the news to discuss this week. Uh, it was kind of a big week for Tesla and its next vehicle to come to market. Unless you can't, maybe the Tesla semi might come to market a little bit sooner. We don't, we don't know. But let's say the more the, the next consumer vehicle from Tesla, the Cybertruck, maybe the most anticipated Tesla vehicle ever. Uh, if you look at the reservation backlog, at least, uh, I'll bite a bit controversial due to this uh, its design. But uh, this week, uh, Elon sort of released um, one of the first major update to the specs, and it comes after, of course. Um, it wasn't last one. It was in November, uh, October, I should say, October, when Tesla removed all the specs, or well, most of the specs, all the pricing, and all the configuration from the website. And uh, we we anticipated that some things had changed, and Tesla didn't want to mislead people anymore uh, with that. So they, they removed that, and uh, we were expecting an update, which hasn't come yet. But Elon, Elon sort of give, the, give us an idea of uh, what's going to be updated. Uh, at least on the top end of the vehicle, which is going to be the first to be delivered. Uh, if you remember, it used to be the top end was a, a, a tri-motor powertrain with over 500 miles of range starting at 60, uh, well, roughly $70,000. Uh, Elon now said that instead it's going to be a four, the top version is going to be a four-motor variant with independent, I'm quoting him here, independent ultra-fast response torque control uh, of each wheel. So instead of having a tri-motor configuration, you can have a quad-motor configuration. Uh, the CEO also added that they will have both front and rear uh, st- steer. So uh, again, I'm quoting him. So not just like a tank, but it can drive diagonally like a crab. Uh, so that's actually something that Elon already confirmed before. So it's not that much new, but the, the quad powertrain is new. And uh, it's uh, it's interesting in the context of how the market for electric pickup trucks evolved in the last uh Two years now. It's been two years now since uh, Tesla unveiled the Cybertruck, so it, it, it kind of got passed over by some competition, which is uh, unusual for Tesla in the EV field. Like Tesla is always the leader, always the first with new things, and then you see you see others follow. We, we've seen like Ford copy a lot of what Tesla is doing. We've seen Rivian copy a ton of what Tesla is doing. But in some aspects, now the, you can say that some are ahead of Tesla on some things. And on the quad power trains, that's the case for Rivian, who, the R1T, the top version, has a quad power train, four motors, one for each wheels. The Armor Heavy uh, has the same thing. And those cars also have slight rear steering to add to the front steering to uh, to have this four-wheel steering uh, system that uh, enables things like uh, crab and Thing, like Elon mentioned both. And what's interesting here is if you go back to the marketing of both vehicles that I just mentioned for the Rivian R1T, they do talk about tank steering. You know, they, they've been teasing that for a while that the car can basically do a, a 180. Uh, yeah, it would be a 180, like just change direction on, on itself, basically. They've been doing uh, that since launch. Like that was yeah. part of the uh, 2018 launch at the LA Auto Show. 
Yeah, I remember we uh, we uh, ran into RG's Karin, the CEO, coming out of installing the boot before it launched, and he it showed us on his phone. Was very proud of the the very first video of uh, of that. I don't think they ever released that video. They did release a few other things later on, but that video alone, I thought, I, I mean, I I think I already had placed my reservation <laughs> because the day before was the actual unveiling of the prototype, but uh, that sealed it for me too. It was it was very impressive. Um, of course, uh, you can do the 180 only on like soft surfaces. I don't think like even told us at the time. I don't know if it's still the case now that they have a production version. But he told us that the car could actually detect the surface on which it was on, and it wouldn't allow you to do that if it was like on asphalt, which would like destroy your tires basically. But if you're on dirt, uh, they they will let you like just spin like that, which is pretty cool. Um, then. Um, then the Hummer has had the crab mode uh, that they've been talking about a lot. So it has, uh, the, 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 it can move diagonally, and there's some value to that beyond uh, just a quick uh, turn radius. But we have saw it. Uh, we saw a prototype of the, uh, of the Hummer EV do it in traffic, just moving from lane to lane <laughs> with this crab mode thing was pretty pretty impressive. So Elon is saying that uh, the the Cybertruck is going to be able to do uh, both of those things and uh, also have a quad motor. Now he didn't update the the actual output of those. Uh, if uh, I assume it's going to be smaller motors on, on, on each wheels, uh, but uh, I mean they, they were already talking about that like a two sec two or three seconds uh, zero to sixty on on this fairly large electric pickup truck. So. I would assume something very similar, even 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 uh, if not better, with a four motor variant. Now he didn't exactly update us on uh, if if the is it going to replace completely the tri motor version or uh, is it going to be now just a single motor, dual motor, quad motor, which would be most likely the preferred combination here, especially if you they want to achieve the lower price point of $40,000. That's probably going to be with a single motor, though, of course, a single motor is going to be a, a bigger one. So uh, I would expect now that Elon says that, uh, that we're going to have an update on Tesla's website in the near future that's going to have the new variants. Because also, if you remember, said, uh, I don't know if you can see it on your, on your Tesla account, but you, when you place a reservation, you told which model that you reserve. So now, if they if they change those models, like it's uh it's gonna it's gonna affect things. Uh, I know I have a reservation for a dual motor and a reservation for a tri motor. Oh, really? Yeah, you got, you got two. Yeah, I'm not gonna buy two, but I wanted to have one of each just just to be sure. And at that time, Tesla was saying that they were gonna produce the both the dual motor and the tri motor at the same time, start delivery with, which I didn't believe, of course. But because I didn't believe it, I want to be sure if I want to get one early. Like which one I get, and I don't necessarily need the tri motor, though. The way Tesla uh, configured them, the tri motor not only get the highest performance in terms of acceleration and, and, and power, but also got the longest range. Which I'm, I'm more for, for a pickup truck like that. I was more towards going for a longer range. Uh, if I have to get the um, higher performance, like so be it. But um, I think there's room for Tesla to do like a dual motor version that has long range, like a most efficient version, and so then maybe the quad motor. The tweet that he was responding to was a mm-hmm. one about uh, having a, getting rid of the single motor version and having only two, three, and four motor variants. And uh, you know that account often has uh, mm-hmm. inside information uh, because they they obviously back channel a little bit. So um, 
I think maybe that's, uh, you know, maybe it's going to have two, three, and four. Although, you know, at launch, four, I'm sure two is quite easy. And if you can do four and then you can do two, maybe, you know, somewhere down the line, it makes sense to do three because you can, you know, the front of one and the back of the other. But I don't know. The thing is, though, with, with two, like, I'm pretty sure then Tesla is going to abandon again the idea of a $40,000 version like they did with previous models can we just, in the Can past. we just say there's not going to be a $40,000 I, I know, I know, but it, like it's it's starting to be like like a bad pattern for Tesla really to, to do that. I, I, I'm sure with like the car, like you've been in it, it's extremely simple. Like it's like there's we're gonna get into some other things though in the in the next um, mm-hmm. piece of news, but for the most part, it's fairly simple. If you have like just especially with the structural battery pack, then a single motor, not as powerful. You, you, you save thousands of dollars with a single, like just having a single motor. Um, then you, you can probably get the price down to, to a decent amount once they have large volume production and they nail the um, exoskeleton body of the, of the Cybertruck. I, I, it's, it's, I think it's actually possible. Uh, of course, a, a smaller 200, 250 miles range. And, I mean, and keep people, in mind... A Model Three, you can't get for forty thousand anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I'm talking. I'm talking about once they achieve volume production of the Cybertruck. So we're talking probably like three years in, in the future now. Uh, so we're pretty far out. Like that, the, I think the market's going to change a lot by then. I, I mean, Tesla used to sell the Model Three for thirty-seven thousand um, dollars. I think they're going to be able to go back to that in, in the future. And how far in the future, I don't know, but. I think those supply chain issues that we're experiencing right now are, are temporary. Like the world has changed a lot in the last two years and we're still adapting to it. And the uh, job situation is strange. Uh, there's a lot of things right now. The inflation is getting out of control. There's a lot of things right now that people need to figure out. Uh, but uh, I'm an optimist. I think we will. Just uh, on what timeline, though, I don't know for sure. So a couple of things about that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was it was kind of strange that in one tweet he mentioned the marketing terms of mm. both Rivian and uh, I think the crab, what, what is it called? Crab, crab walk. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whatever it's called is like, that's a marketing term that GM actually like trademark. So yeah. Uh, do they, can they trademark like a, like a crab walk is, is like, like it's, I don't know. It, it's something like well-known, like it's a, like you walk like a crab. Like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they did, but they, they definitely used it in their marketing, right. just like Rivian used the tank mode thing. Right. So yeah, I get I get your point. Like it's one of the first time that we're seeing like Tesla just like, being influenced by the rest of the industry, uh, other than being the other way around. Other way around, we've seen hundreds of times at this point. Right. Um, but uh, this way, we've seen like we've seen a little bit with the Taycan. We know that like the, the Porsche when they came out with the Taycan and they did the Nurburgring. Uh, we know that, like the timing, at least seemed like it uh, jolted the bolts at uh, at Tesla a little bit, especially sure. at Elon. Um, then, then the Lucid, uh, when Lucid came out with the pricing of the Air, uh, Tesla came out with a sixty nine four twenty pricing of the uh, of the Model S at the time. Of course, we also know now that the timing of that was like Tesla was liquidating basically the Model S right. leading up the the production. So uh, he, he, you don't know what he's just. He's just like poking fun at and what he's actually uh, like worried about. This is might be one was actually worried about a little bit because Tesla is behind on the electric pickup truck race. Um, 
but again, I'll always put an asterisk on that because Tesla is behind on being the first to market on it. But the real most important thing is being the first to volume production. And um, let's say I put that 100,000 units a year. And um, Tesla might still be first on that. Rivian Rivian's going to have, a, 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 unless like a big miracle, they're going to have a hard time, I think, uh, getting to 100,000. Yeah, but I don't think Rivian even expects to get like their their numbers internally. They don't expect to get a hundred thousand like next year or the year after. I think they expect to hit a hundred thousand like twenty twenty five. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. I think Ford <laughs> Ford is likely more like Ford is the same yeah. to hit but, uh, volume production. Well, well, I think the hundred thousand is in, also twenty twenty five. No, yeah, I think they want to. Yeah, more than that out. So, yeah, well, I mean, for sure they could they could increase that over time, but uh, we know that the volume production is is, is difficult. I mean, those trucks. Uh, what, what's the Rivian uh, battery pack? One hundred and thirty. One hundred forty. One hundred and forty. Like it's it's a lot of batteries. Like just securing that alone, like it's uh, it's two Model Threes, uh, more than two Model Threes per um, per truck here. So. Oh no, we didn't even get into that. So just before that, Elon also made other comments about the Cybertruck, where he called it a tech bandwagon. He said that uh, the Cybertruck is intentionally an insane technology bandwagon, and they're gonna they, they're gonna try to cram as much technology as possible in there. Which reminded me of uh, the Model X program a little bit, which of course Tesla then regretted <laughs> later on, saying that. Um, it was a Fabergé egg of of cars, and they just tried to do too much with it and slow down the uh, the um, production and 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 the the profitability, reaching profitability on on that vehicle. But now they kind of figure it out, so I, I assume like maybe they try they, they think that it's going to be different. Of course, there's there's big technology improvement coming with a cyber truck about the manufacturing of it itself. Uh, well, the structural battery pack, I guess the Model Y is more the bandwagon for that, but the um, the exoskeleton is something that's that's completely new. That's going to be hard to do, um, and and achieving that is going to be a big technology improvement. But what's more interesting here is that he made the comment relative to the yoke steering wheel, confirming that the Cybertruck is going to have the yoke steering wheel, which we kind of knew because it was on the prototype. But like a prototype is still a prototype. And, but then, since then, Tesla introduced the yoke steering wheel model S and X. So we're like, all right, see so if it's in an S and X, and and Elon didn't seem to budge at all uh, with people's complaints. And I mean, to be fair, the main complaint from people was like, just just have it as an option. option like, give, me the, yeah. uh, give me the option of having a round steering wheel, which is not a big ask. Like, I know Tesla is one of the automakers that's most stingy on options. Like they don't give you a lot of options, but still, uh, that's a big one. And and of course, like there's two sets of complaint with the rogue steering wheel. Like it's two completely different sets. Like Tesla did two big changes to the steering wheel with the yoke. The shape itself is one, and I think the shape itself is actually one of the least complained about. Like they, because it's not too bad for most of the driving. It's just bad at very slow speed because you have to turn it a lot, and they didn't change the turn radius. And it's bad if you have like uh, if you're sliding, for example, and then then you have a lot of sway in your steering wheel. That can be harder to regain control. So that that's the most the scariest one to me. Um, but I think the most complaints came from the lack of stock on the steering wheel. Like Tesla remove all the stock, replace everything by four touch buttons, and the AI to autonomously autonomously do everything that 
So, so Tesla's goal is to have no input, basically. Like the car does everything for you, everything that turns signals and everything like that. But as we discussed with the full self-driving, sometimes the car doesn't even do turn signals for the most simple turn. So that's you would think that that would be one of the easiest things to program. Like you're doing a turn, put your put your damn signal on, but it doesn't do it sometimes. Um, but yeah, so now he says it's coming to the Cybertruck. But at the same time, he talked about progressive steering. And it, it, last time he talked about it, it he, he said it was a few years out. We know Tesla has been working on a steer-by-wire system with progressive steering. And now Elon says it's coming, but it's going to be a technology bandwagon. So it might be Tesla's first vehicle with steer-by-wire, which would then come with a progressive steering curve, uh, which would fix one of the two issues of the uh, yoke steering wheel. Meaning that uh, as the, the speed slows down, you the the you wouldn't have to turn the wheel as much in order to complete a turn, uh, which would be extremely helpful. And to be fair too, I think knowing Tesla and how they improve over time in terms of all the AI technology, I would assume that some of the inputs that are being repl- uh, that are replacing the stocks would have also improved by then. So I think Tesla could really completely fix the yoke steering wheel. I think it's also the people's main complaint, and I don't know if you want to jump in on that set, but the the see, it's the pros and the cons. Like the pros are very minimal. Like it's it looks better, but that's that's purely a question of perspective. I I do agree that it looks better. I think, but some people don't, and I cannot argue with, with that. And it improves your vision of the center display, which which it does, but like by how much, like. How often have you complained right now? And you're well. I mean, you don't have a Model S, but I'm used to like you had a Model S with a full steering wheel with the same instrument cluster or similar one. Like, how often would you be like moving like that to try to see the, the instrument cluster? It's pretty rare. I mean, if that's a genuine concern, they should do uh, what is that called when you put the thing on the the window? Heads up display. Heads up display. They should totally like if that's <clears throat> if that's the concern. Put a heads-up display. I think they should put up a heads-up display regardless of mm-hmm. anything. Because what's great about a heads-up display, I was just recently uh, driving a Porsche around, um, and it had the heads-up display. And, man, it just makes things so easy. You don't have to look down if you don't want to. Um, and, you know, when I did look down, I was going like 120 <laughs> miles per hour on the freeway. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, for yeah. people who haven't experienced one of the latest heads up displays, and it, and like right now you're talking about Porsche, but they 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 have made their way down market. I mean, they have made their way all the way down market, but they're not that good in all the way down market. But now in in mid pricing range, there's some very great heads up displays that like it's hard to complain about. I'm very surprised that Tesla completely went like. Left that behind. I know why. I know because they're so focused on full self driving and their ideas. Like you won't need one with full self driving, but not everyone is as hype about that as they are. Right. For for good reason as well. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is like you know this is again kind of part of the experience uh, driving uh, the Porsche. Um. Like one of the great things about driving a really nice car is that it's really fun to drive. And it feels like Tesla's got two different priorities, like either make a fun car to drive, like a a good, exciting car to drive, or make something that's really good for the future, which 
nobody wants to drive, which, you know, I don't necessarily agree with. Like, I, and I, Porsche certainly doesn't agree with that. Like, you know, their future is like everybody gets to drive really cool cars and like, you know, maybe somewhere on the freeway, uh, you, you hit the, you know, cruise control so you can eat a sandwich or something, but it's not like part of their, you know, their heritage. Whereas Tesla's got probably two fighting camps and like, Hey, let's make a really cool car to drive. But also who cares about driving a car because these are all going to be robots soon. So they're kind of like fighting those two battles. And, and, uh, you know, it doesn't really make sense, uh, at this point to have, a, you know, it doesn't seem like autonomy is coming nearly as quick as everybody thought it was going to come. So, they, you know, certainly not the robo taxi future thing. That, that right, the robo taxi future is. It's like if you're buying a car now, you, you expect to drive it three to five years. I feel like in three to five years, well, you know, on the tail end of that, it's possible that there's going to be robo taxi type of stuff. But for the next couple of years, you're going to be driving the car, like mm-hmm. for sure. So. Well, Tesla yeah. kind of melted the idea of like what's going to be f- full self-driving now, especially with the term itself. But I, Elon, when's the last time Elon mentioned the word robo taxi? Like, it's been it's been a while. So like there, there's we don't know exactly what's going to come of it now anymore. Like there's with the beta program, the way it's like being rolled out to people. Like I, I'm really curious to see. We, we, we're gonna need, and I think we're gonna have more details on that with the next earnings report. But when is Tesla gonna recognize revenue from the full self driving, and how much revenue per uh, per package sold? Like, what's the percentage of like uh, someone that today buys it pays ten thousand dollars? How much of that Tesla recognized as revenue, and how much is deferred? Because that that shows you in Tesla's highs how much of that they have delivered. It cannot be a hundred percent because there's it's not full self driving. But now, if you look at the list of what Tesla is like delivering upon the full self driving package, with the city driving stuff being basically the last thing on it, like they could make the argument that oh, we have delivered everything now that you have self city driving with the way that we consider it city driving, but you're still re- responsible. Like the it, it's gonna be a mess. Like this whole thing's gonna be a mess by the time it unfolds. Uh, I'm very curious to see how it's gonna happen. All right. The yeah. other big thing, uh, something that I was just going to mention. Dan in the comments says, "If mm-hmm. if Tesla were going to s- solve FSD, would anyone buy a Roadster without a steering wheel? Like, <laughs> you know, what's the point of a Roadster?" Yeah, this that's right. I mean, especially that can be like also like a track car. Like I, I, there's this idyllic like full self driving future. Like if the the true full self driving um, idealists see a future like everyone is driving with self driving. Unless you go on a, on a track, like basically, like we use horses today. So, I mean, a car like the Roadster, you'd still need to have a steering wheel on it, and for the few times you want to bring it to the track. All right, Tesla unveiled a new vehicle this week, sort of <laughs> the Cyber Quad for kids. Um, I don't know what to think much of this of this vehicle here. It's uh it's an expensive toy, uh, nineteen hundred dollars. That's, that's a pretty uh, good summation, right there. Yeah, it's not a Tesla vehicle either. Uh, I mean, Tesla worked on it. Like the the design is obviously similar to the design of the Cyber Quad that was unveiled on uh, with the, with the Cybertruck, but uh, it's a radio uh, radio flyer toy. Like it's 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 going to be built by radio flyer, so it's not 
there's no like Tesla battery technology in there, or or uh, probably not even a Tesla motor uh, or anything like that. But it is an impressive uh, spec still for 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 what it is for a toy. Uh, 10 miles per hour top speed, 15 miles of range. Uh, it's not bad for for a toy. Uh, eight years old uh, and plus. Like yeah, I had to be at least eight years old. I don't know. Like what's the limit on it? Like what's the weight limit? Do we do we post that? I mean, wasn't Franz weight- on it for for a little bit there? One fifty. Uh, wasn't Franz on the prototype of the real one? I, th- I feel like in the video he's on it. You might be able to see it when you scroll down. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on the, the video with his helmet off, and uh, like toward toward the middle, you know, his kids are playing with it, mm-hmm. and then he rides by with his kid in his lap with without a helmet on, mm-hmm. and it seemed like he was on the little one, and then cut to a later scene, and it seems like he's on the big one. I mean, him and his kid are over 150 pounds combined, I'm sure. But that's not a big deal. Mm. It just, uh, they kind of slipped in the full-size mm. one there. See, like this right here. Oh, uh, yeah. This is definitely the small one. Yeah. yeah. Small one. Yeah, you're right. Small one. And that one goes 10 miles per hour. And then he's got his helmet on and he's on the real Yeah, one. That, that, that's definitely the big one here. Like You can see, like, even even if it's behind all the others, it looks much bigger. Right. Um. Yeah, that's that's the big one. I mean, Friends is not a, a, a big guy, but I mean, yeah, probably over 150 pounds. Yeah, he's um, he's pretty tall. He's like six two or something. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, but uh, it's it's an, an example of Tesla maybe like just taking a bit advantage of its rich user base. So I mean, I say rich, but at the same time, rich people generally they don't buy that things like that. Sometimes like that's how they become rich. <laughs> they don't spend uh, nineteen hundred dollars on 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 a, a toy. Also, but, they're, they're probably buying like thirty five hundred dollar full size quads or whatever. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's it's a good toy to to uh get people into electrification i mean like the, the some kids are like really into atvs i know i have some cousins and when i when i was a, a kid in uh in abcb which is like a country region of um of quebec like all the kids they were all into atvs that's that's the thing but they're all into gas atvs you tell them electric you tell them it doesn't smell you tell them it doesn't vibrate and <laughs> it doesn't make a ton of sound and they're like i don't want that I want the thing that smells and uh, and and make crazy sounds. Uh, so to get the kids early on that stuff, that that could help with electrification. But I think I, have, I think those kids already get it. Yeah, and also ten mile per hour top speeds probably yeah. not, not too exciting for a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean the difference with the actual cyber quad when it launches that that thing's going to be a hundred miles per hour. At least we've seen we've seen it possible with the powertrain that they use for the prototype, which was a zero powertrain. So that's the other thing, dude. Like that thing is shipping in two weeks. Again, it's Radio Flyer making it, so it's not Tesla. But we haven't heard much about the CyberQuad since it was unveiled uh, two years ago, and uh, Tesla unveiled it with a prototype that had like a Yamaha body that they converted with a zero motorcycle motor on it. So like Tesla needs to build its own motor for this, a smaller one, or maybe they're gonna make a deal. With, well. Actually, I would like them to make a deal with someone like Zero, like that would boost the company and that would help them. And uh, but um, more likely, they'll just take like a base model three motor. No, that's no, nah, way too big, way too big, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, yeah, it's need, they, they need they need something much smaller. Um, is it weird? So we, we got the cyber quad and the and the whistle cyber whistle both right now, and obviously it's the holidays for sh- everybody shopping. 
But is it weird? Because this was also when Tesla was originally supposed to launch the Cybertruck. Do you think like they had these things in the, in the supply chain and they were like, all right, these need to be ready for, mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, Christmas 2021. And then of course they pushed back the, the Cybertruck, but these things, you know, it's just a piece of metal. Like it's not hard to bake. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, sir. I, I don't know how involved they are with those things, but I, I, I think it's weird. A lot of I, cyber coming this week. Yeah, I mean, this like Elon was joking about this silly apple clot. Okay, which is fair. It's 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 silly. It's insanity that you would try to sell a nineteen dollar piece of clot. Makes no sense. So make fun of it all you want. You're right. Then you make this cyber whistle. So what's the idea here? Like you're being like it's it's kind of an inside joke. You're like, eh, like I want to show how Apple is dumb with their $19 piece of cloth. So I'm making a $50 piece of metal that makes some sounds. Of course, the markup on this is probably like 600% or something like that. So it makes it probably similar to the Apple cloth. Uh, so but what's the joke if you're actually selling it? in volume to people so your fans are actually buying it some are in on the joke and are just like wasting money some are not in on the joke and you're you're basically like doing the same thing that apple is doing that you're laughing about and some others are trying to profit from it and buying it and then reselling it on ebay for like a several hundred percent markup so to people that are probably not in on the joke too. So like, what's I don't I don't know what's the goal here really. Um, it's not money. Like Tesla doesn't like they're gonna make a few thousand bucks out of this, maybe a few ten thousand bucks at maximum. So I, I really don't know. Strange world set. Strange world. All right, oh. on the better news front here. We discussed last week how the new Model Y performance out of China is equipped with a new AMD chip in it. And uh, it gave the opportunity to some new owners in China now to do a test, a side-by-side yeah, test. With, that. Uh, sorry about that. A side-by-side test with the two vehicles, with uh, one with the old Intel chip and one with the, um, uh, with the new AMD chip in it. Oh, I took that. Okay. I'm trying to get the side-by-side comparison here. But uh, it shows massive improvement, like two to three times better. You see here loading, uh, I think this is the, U, uh, what's it called, Yuku? Yeah, it's the uh, YouTube uh, of China. Yeah, Yuku, the kind of a YouTube of China, yeah. Uh, took four seconds for the new AMD Ryzen chip versus the Intel Atom taking, taking, still loading, still loading, still loading, 12, 13, 14, 15. 17 seconds, so massive difference. Uh, <laughs> something like that. Billy, Billy, uh, which is also another like kind of YouTube type in China. Uh, even better performance in like a seven seconds, and I think it took like 40, uh, 20 something seconds, 24 seconds for the. And here you see navigation, like this, so something a little bit more useful because, of course, you're going to be like stop when you're watching those apps, like those video apps. But navigation, it's something like that the response time is actually very useful. And you see here, like a massive difference in terms of load time for the maps. Um, now the question really is, um, what's happening with those chips? Like, is, is Tesla only releasing that in the new performance version? Is it is it gonna 
go to other models, other cars? Is it going to go to the ones being built in the U.S.? We don't know. Um, it's the same chip, apparently, in the new uh, Model S and X. So right now, it's really only in the top performance version of Tesla vehicles, while excluding the one, the Model Y performance made in, in, in Fremont. But because uh, if you go in terms of pricing, Model S and X, highest prices, then it's the Model Y performance. So it might be doing, making its way down market. And I don't know. Would be would be fun though because uh, that is a massive improvement in performance. All right, this was an interesting one here. Uh, Tesla doesn't release a lot of information outside of uh, like closed channel and Elon himself, well, more specifically Elon's Twitter. But uh, Andre Caperdi, the uh, head of Tesla AI and, and Tesla Vision, uh, has been releasing some interesting information every, every now and again on his Twitter page. Like, it looks like uh, Tesla is letting him share some things, especially when it's for recruiting purposes, which it sounds like it was the case here. Um, the uh, he's, he's unveiled a new auto labeling tool for Tesla, which could be a game changer to some degree. Uh, we know that Tesla has hired like thousands of people labeling videos coming from the fleet. We know Tesla, that's one of Tesla's biggest advantage. They have a ton of data coming from the fleet, millions of vehicles now on the road, sending them videos of real world driving scenarios that Tesla can use to train their neural net. But as we know, the only value of having a ton of data like that is if the data is nicely labeled so that the neural nets can understand it and use it to train itself, machine learning. But it's good to have thousands of people working to label those videos, but it's there's still it's the limit. I don't know what kind of output that the, a single labeler can have, but if you need thousands of them, it's uh, it's definitely there's there's a limitation there. Uh, and Tesla is getting like hundreds of thousands of video clips coming in every day from the fleet, so or at least they can, depending on the uh, like they can turn the faucet on and off when, however they want. So if you have a way to auto label those videos, then you can use a lot more data. And um, and improve faster, and that's been the part of the Dojo project. So, so the supercomputer that they, they're building is to handle a large quantity of those videos. And uh, now uh, Caperdi released uh, this um, this video here showing an example of auto labeling working uh, at Tesla. Here, uh, it looks very impressive. You can see everything is marked with different colors. It looks like it's seeing all the cars around. It's seeing all the curves. It's seeing all the, the pedestrians around uh, in live view. It's very impressive stuff, really. Like you, you don't see a lot of mistakes. If this is truly see a stop signs, if if everything is really done automatically here, it's uh, it's impressive stuff. So you see things like that is why I get hyped about full self driving at Tesla because. I don't know if any other company has as this as a auto labeler like that, and if this is like new for Tesla, they just like they can turn it on. And here he uh, he says that it was trained with hundred thousand plus uh, uh, data, a large, clean, diverse. When how did he phrase that? Video, the multicam video. So, so I think. 100,000 plus video clips, I think he's referring here. But um, if you can feed that to your your neural net, then you can improve a lot faster. And we know that the timing right now is getting Dojo ready. Uh, Earlier this year when Tesla had the AI day, they were talking about having like a stack ready, but they don't have the full supercomputer. Uh, That should be coming like anytime soon, really. 
So if they can get that ready and they have the auto labeler tool, then it's the, the rate of improvement should increase fast. My only concern right now is like, does that help for non uh, computer vision stuff, like for actual like decision making stuff? That, that's why I'm not so sure how it helps that much. If you have people that are more knowledgeable, like please enlighten me. But and and from my own experience with full self driving, the vision stuff is already extremely impressive. I'm sure there's room for improvement, and that that's going to help there. But in terms of uh, the, the main issue that I've been seeing is the decision-making process that is lacking in a lot of ways. So I don't know how much that can help other than like creating like a perfect simulation, basically, and, uh, and having it trained through that simulation with better computer vision system like that. I don't know. Yeah, um, I was actually having a conversation with uh, somebody who's getting a new a Model Y here uh, by the end of the year. And one of the things that came up was that, um, you know, this, this, uh, removal of the, uh, LIDAR stuff or, or just radar in general, um, you know, T- Tesla has sensors, but they, they went to full vision. And one of the things that, uh, Elon mentioned about like the decision to do that was that, um, the data coming in wasn't as clean as the data from the vision. And only having vision was better than having vision plus this radar data. And for a lot of people, including myself, like that doesn't make sense right away, like right off the bat. But, you know, as you drill down into it a little bit, it doesn't seem like Tesla is having problems gathering the data that it needs to make these decisions for the AI to make the decisions. I think the problem is that the AI uh, has too much input, too many inputs. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to kind of like, you know, bring this AI out of like, you know, a a baby state into like where it can actually make some decisions. And, um, I feel like only having vision is, is a lot easier at this, you know, early stage. And then further down the road when, when, you know, we have the, the hardware and the software that can actually, do stuff with this data, mm-hmm. then you can kind of put in other sensors like light lidar and and stuff like that. Because you know, obviously, having more sense senses is better, unless your brain can't handle it all and it you know mm-hmm. turns it into a mess. So I don't know. I don't know if that's the reason you know these decisions are made, but I think maybe that's it, kind it of probably is. It probably is because you you know how. Like this is the big one of the biggest difference between Tesla and everybody else that's developing full self driving technology. Tesla, like oh, Tesla, is like oh, the road is built for people with vision and, right. and neural nets in their head, uh, so eyes and and the brain. So let's build a system that works with that. Well, everybody else is like yeah, but like let's use sensors that are superhuman that humans don't have that will improve safety. But then again, like that's might be too much for an early system, or and it, it might be also like not the road is not designed for it. So Tesla has good arguments there. Um, but yeah, you're right. I could I could see Tesla like just getting as far as they can with full self driving as it is, working with full vision, and then yes, add add a, a lidar, especially as they go down in price, a lidar sensor, and use that input in some way that can help. Uh, but at the same time, if they can achieve like five, six, seven, ten times higher security with uh, 
with a vision system, like do it, please do it. Yeah. And I think that's the point. Like they want to do what they can do as fast as they can to get to like, you know, Mm. twice as safe as humans. And they can, they think they can achieve that with vision only and they probably can. And then one, they can get there the fastest only using vision. Mm. And then once you go there, then you keep on adding, you know, more sensors and more, and then you can get to 10 X and a hundred times and whatever as safe. Mm. But like to get, to more safe than human as fast as possible, this may actually make sense. And I'm usually the one arguing the other side where, like, why wouldn't you have LIDAR? Mm-hmm. seems like, you know. But the, right. the, the thing with being safer than humans, though, is it's it's not for everyone. Like, it's, it's safer than the average human is right. easy to achieve because how many accidents are, are the humans responsible because they, they are falling asleep, because they're drunk, because they're not paying attention? Right. Like, that of a self-driving system can eliminate all that right away. But then what happens is that, so the statistically speaking, it looks very good on, on, on stats, but then it can do like a dumb mistakes that cause an accident. And, and um, a driver that's maybe just a little bit more than average, but that prides himself as, Oh, I don't, I don't drive when I, when I'm tired, when I'm falling asleep, I don't drive drunk. I pay attention all the time. So I don't make a lot like, and I don't make a lot of mistake driving. So that's a higher risk for someone like that to go with a self-driving system. Uh, so, like, I, I would like to see like a charts of, <laughs> of drivers and, and see like how many people are responsible. Cause I know people in my life that have, like been driving for like 20 years, never had an accident. And I know some people in my life that have been driving for 20 years and had 10 accidents. Like, like So the, the, it changed the average is a lot. So it's easy to be better driver than the person that had 10 accidents, but it's hard to be a better driver than the person that never had any accident. Let's do a quick read. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. This episode of the Electric Podcast is brought to you by Electrify America. Electrify America now operates the largest coast-to-coast ultra-fast charging network with more than 650 charging stations, and it's growing. It currently has plans underway for around 800 total charging stations with more than 3,500 chargers to be completed by December of this year. And it plans to have more than 1,800 ultra-fast charging stations and 10,000 individual chargers installed by the end of 2025. It's a lot of. That includes 50 kilowatt to 350 kilowatt chargers near highways, 500 kilowatt to 150 kilowatt chargers in metropolitan areas. The newly launched Electrify America mobile apps now offer contactless payment along with CarPlay and Android Auto integration. And you can save up to 25% on charging with the new Pass Plus subscription plans. If you're an EV driver and want to learn more about Electrify America and its growing network of charging stations, Find out what they're up to at electrifyamerica.com. That's electrifyamerica.com or hit up the link in the show notes. Thanks again to Electrify America for sponsoring this week's show. Yes, they had a fun piece of news too this week. EA, they, um, they announced that they have now deployed uh, power packs at 140 charging stations in the U.S., 90 in California. So it sounds like they are probably ahead of Tesla themselves in deploying power packs at their supercharger station, which helped them reduce the peak charge. Um, the, the the peak charge time yeah. down a little bit and save some money and deliver more stable prices to their customers, which is cool. also it helps. Like if there's a you know a power outage, like you have a a, a couple of a couple you know, yeah. <laughs> a couple of kilowatt hours uh, yeah. there. 
like a, a couple of charges like in normally like one power pack is 200 kilowatt hours so right. you have like a few few charges in there if they have more than one and uh better but, than uh, nothing yeah for sure get those new solar canopies as well maybe they can uh oh, yeah that some, would happen. yeah sure electricity back in the grid so Tesla this week officially announced the move of their headquarters to uh, Texas, something that uh, Elon Musk announced during the Tesla shareholders meeting earlier this year. But uh, now it has been made official by Tesla on, uh, starting December 1st, the headquarters are at 13101 Errol Green Road in Austin, Texas. So that's where it pings the, um, if you enter the location, it pings it right here, like right outside of uh, Gigafactory, Texas. Now it doesn't mean that it's not gonna be in. The, like now, this is an old satellite photo here. I can show you here. Um, the guys here at Terra Factory updates on YouTube. They uh, they've been making some pretty great updates on. Uh, like you can see, the building now is is quite uh, quite big these days. Uh, it's been updated a lot. But uh, the here, if you go right there right now, like I actually pulled it up from uh, from that video, it's just a bunch of trailers uh, and and like temporary offices for construction. So it's it's nothing. And now it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, there's going to be like a separate building here for the Tesla headquarters. It could also be in the main building right there. With a the new development like that, the ad- the addresses are always like screwed up. Like you don't they don't make that much sense. So uh, we don't know just yet. And Tesla never confirmed or Elon confirmed if it's going to be like a different building on the main building. Um, but Tesla has like 2000 acres all around there. They have this side to here. I think they have this to here. I feel um, like they they're going to change the name of the, uh, the road the roads. Yeah. I think <laughs> one has already changed. I think like there's, I think there's one like this one or, or one right there has already changed to, to like, uh, like Tesla road or something like that. But, uh, yeah, Harold Green doesn't have the same like you yeah. know Starship or you know maybe you'll name it name it after his son with the uh, this, just throw up a bunch of keyboard. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, also right next to the uh, cement uh, the concrete oh, yeah. plant. That's uh, that's actually Tesla bought the land from, or at least most of the land. There's there's a bunch of different pieces of land that they bought, but uh, it's right next to it. So. I'm surprised it's not right on the Colorado River there. Yeah, well, it's a zigzagging river, the Colorado River. So it yep. kind of goes like a big swing around. And there's a lot of like marshlands too here. Right. So getting very close to it is not ideal, I think. Um, but I see Tesla filling it into the marshland a lot. So maybe they're going to try to build closer to, to it at some point. I think I think this is going to be like a giant complex for, for Tesla. Like there's going to be the big Gigafactory, but then they're going to have a bunch of buildings around it. In the future. So last weekend, uh, Elon sent out an email to employees kind of confirming that uh, they don't have to go too hard this quarter. <laughs> I mean, that's an oversimplification of what he said. But if you remember last quarter, we reported on a bunch of indication from Elon that he was saying like the last quarter is going to be the craziest delivery wave from Tesla end of quarter delivery wave ever. So for the people who don't know, quick refresher that the way that Tesla sells vehicle to customers directly without going through um, third-party franchise dealership, it owns the car all the way to uh, the customer taking delivery. So the transit time are extremely important for Tesla because it doesn't deliver like a bunch of cars at the same time to a dealership. They own the leader, the dealership. So the time the car is produced to the time that 
uh, it's get delivered to customer. Tesla has invested in making that car, so it's it's a liability for them until it gets delivered. Like it doesn't look good on their well, it's not a liability. It's it's revenue that's going to be recognized, but so something in my headset for some reason, like a sound. It's weird. You don't hear it, right? Mm-mm. I think it's my headset only. Um, it's um, so, so Tesla reducing the transit time is extremely important for them, and having as little possible vehicle in inventory at the end of the quarter is also extremely important. So Tesla plans its all production in batches to get the deliveries in time to have the smaller amount of vehicles on inventory by the end of the quarter, Uh, which resulted in giant delivery wave at the end of the quarter because Tesla makes vehicles for exportation early in the quarter to have them on ship during the quarter. And then at the very end of the quarter, all those vehicles arrive at their destinations and they try to deliver them to customers and then they, they keep all the production closer to the factory like in the US for example with Fremont factory later in a quarter so that the transit times are shorter and they can get the vehicle delivered um, this has been going on for years at Tesla it's been a problem because it affects the delivery experience for the customers at the end of the quarter it also affects uh, employees employees have like giant a spike in uh, in workload at the end of the quarter, but uh, Elon has been saying years back that they're gonna change, try to change that. Of course, they didn't. Pressure from the markets, from the quarterly result, and everything didn't happen. So when Elon said that last quarter, we were a bit skeptical about it. But uh, Elon sent an email to employees this week, telling them that actually, like st- staying true to his word, that they don't have to go this hard at the end of the quarter. Uh, they want to focus on cost instead of volume. So he says, we, uh, we, we will still have quite a big wave of deliveries in the last few weeks of December. So, so it's, it's still going to be like a delivery wave. As we don't have high volume production either in Europe or Texas, which means a lot of cars on boats from China to Europe and on trucks or railed from California to the East Coast arriving late in the quarter. But this is nonetheless the right time to start reducing the size of the wave in favor of a steadier and more efficient pace of deliveries. So still going to be a tough quarter and of a quarter push, but he's sending at least a signal to employees that you can focus more on the efficiency and cost rather than the, than the pace of deliveries, the, the volume of deliveries. Uh, the end of the email here basically sums it up. We posted the whole email on, on the site if you want to check it out. But the, he said the right principle is to take the most efficient action as though we're not publicly traded and the notion of end of quarter didn't exist. So this is a big change in policy for Tesla, really. Uh, but I think it's going to take a while uh, before we see like a, a big change in those delivery ways. I think we're going to still see them in the near future. But um yeah, I mean, he's right, though. Uh, factory, Gigafactory Texas, Gigafactory Berlin are going to be a game changer for that, at least when it comes to Model Y. So those two factories going to produce Model Y first, and now Model Y is probably most of Tesla's volume at this point, so it's going to make a big change. Tesla's not going to be shipping any or as much Model Y to Europe uh, from China and from uh, U.S. That's going to unlock production capacity for closer market. Again, China and the U.S. are a giant market for Tesla. So a steadier pace of delivery is going to be uh, possible for Tesla there. Moving on, Nissan had uh, unveiled a new electrification plan to, uh, this week called Ambition 2030. 
And uh, it's basically a $17 billion investment into over five years into electric vehicle, both into new electric vehicle programs and into the supply chain all the way down to the batteries. They even said that they're investing in solid state batteries. Uh, but uh, in for, for on the customer side, it's going to uh, result in 15 new electric models by 2030. And they unveil this bunch of like very uninspired, like never going to make it to market concept vehicle here is that looks just... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking about that. It looks like, like it looks like a design, uh, like school, yeah. like you know, like not even like a final project, kind of just like a you know a doodle <laughs> or something. Yeah. But they did a little damp. Uh, like I mean, I I like there's a convertible which you don't see that much in the EV space right now, so maybe something there. Pickup truck, like uh, what's the Nissan, the Titan, the Titan from Nissan, sorry, pickup truck, a popular pickup uh, truck, like uh, they could, could could indicate that they're gonna release one now, but they they didn't talk about any of this like reaching to market, and that it was just almost like eye candy for the announcement, the announcement that was again, uh, fifteen new electric vehicles, seventeen billion dollars invested. Uh, uh, battery production they weren't exactly clear on battery production it's going to be like their own battery production which nissan tried in the past didn't work out they ended up selling their battery division so i don't know what's their plan here exactly but they're talking about uh battery production of 52 gigawatt hour by 2026 120 30 by 2030 uh so not that impressive really to be honest by 2030 130 gigawatt hour uh is uh is not that much for that point but um so it plans to reduce production emission to by 40% by, by uh, 2030, go uh, carbon neutral by 2050. So, so that's in line with a lot of what the industry is talking about right now. But uh, in terms of the actual vehicles to market and volume, uh, it's not that exciting from Nissan here. Yeah. And, you know, whenever we talk about Nissan and electrification, I always think like, all right, what would have the state of Nissan been right now if – they hadn't ousted Carlos Gosen or however you pronounce his name. Go- Gosen. Gosen. Anyway, yeah. uh, you know, like we still don't know what happened to him. Like, you know, he got shipped out of uh, Japan in a suitcase or something and is now in <laughs> Lebanon. But like you have to wonder, like, you know, they were ready to release the Aria. Like I had test driven it like in 2020, like at, at CES 2020, like it was ready to go. And, you know, we're two years later and they're just now like, you know, taking orders for 2023. Um, and, you know, basically we haven't seen anything else. Like they, they were pretty gung ho. They were one of the only companies doing electrification with the leaf. You know, that was, uh, his, his baby, Carlos's baby. So like, you know, I have to feel like Nissan lost like almost a decade by, by getting rid of him. Because, you know, once he was gone, there was chaos. And then they were like, you know what? Let's just, whatever's selling now, let's get behind that and try to get mm-hmm. the company profitable again. And they kind of just let everything else go. Like, I mean, so I was at the LA Auto Show. And, you know, imagine the PR people who have to sell, you know, the Nissan Leaf. But at the same time, mm-hmm. they have, uh, you know, the uh, Aria there. Mm-hmm. And the Leaf obviously is like, you know, a, a relic of the past. It's got Chatamo, you know, like <laughs> no other car, like their other car has CCS combo because the, the reason it's going to CCS combo is because, you know, Chatamo's on the way out. 
but right now they're selling the leaf with with Chatamo and and it's just a really hard dance that they have to do. And there's not going to be any Chatamo in a few years around to charge this car and they're selling it today. So it's a rough it's a rough go for Nissan. I'm not I'm not envious of their their position. It's unfortunate uh that the the Carlos thing didn't work out well. Yeah, I I mean I haven't seen that much from Carlos about like his ambition for electric vehicles. I know I know he was one of the early ones to believe that we can make an affordable electric car that's profitable, which you know, it needs to be profitable. They're not in the business, they won't sell it. So he was one of the early guys to do that. So kudos for him. But I know that he was also big on like this merger with Renault. And like there was a lot of like it's so complicated that two giant automakers right now, like 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 that Nissan and Renault like merged together. So he was a big proponent of that. And I think that I, I so there's two main arguments. Like people say, oh, he got pushed out because Nissan Japanese companies, like a lot of Japanese automakers, they don't want to make electric cars. But there's also this part of like there's a lot of there was a lot of uh, resentment from from for uh, Carlos to push for for this. Um, merger with Renault, so maybe that's also part of it. I don't know. Right. Could yeah. Be. I mean, the, the uh, idea was, like, you're going to be able to have three different companies, uh, Mitsubishi, Nissan, and uh, Renault, uh, all pushing these same platform cars. It's, you know, it makes sense on a couple levels, but obviously the uh, the head honchos at, or the, the board at Nissan wasn't a big fan of that idea. No. We have just two more pieces of news to discuss real quick, and then we're going to jump into the comment section. So if you guys have a comment or a question to ask, uh, put them in the comment section right now. If you can put question in all cap before in, uh, that would be easier for us to detect them and to uh, to get them on the screen so we can discuss. The... All right, uh, Toyota, uh, according to a report that came out yesterday from Routers, they, um, they are partnering with BYD to build a $30,000 electric car in China uh, using the BYD Blade battery cells, that is all the rave recently. Apparently, <laughs> like there's there's been a lot of uh, talk about the Blade battery cells. Which uh, I mean, it's a it's a the format is not that incredible. Like it's it's like a prismatic, like a pouch, long pouch cell, like a blade. So it's not that much different from like a pouch cell that we previously seen. But they have a latest made great improvement in LFP chemistry. So the cost is good, uh, and um, the energy density is also now good enough to be in a uh, decent range for an electric car. We know that Tesla used now LFP in the standard range vehicles. So, uh, And apparently Tesla has been interested in the BYD blade battery cells, but those reports have never been confirmed, but they've been coming out of China for a while. But according to four sources that talk to Reuters, uh, for Toyota, it's a done deal. Uh, they partner with BYD. They're going to produce this. They call it a small sedan. They, they say it's a little bit bigger than the Corolla, uh, but uh, or, or at least in the inside, it's going to have more interior space. But we know that making an electric car generally allows you for having a bigger interior uh, with a similar or even smaller exterior size. And uh, it's going to be powered by those cells. It's going to be unveiled in April. And uh, it's going to be in China by the end of next year, apparently. But uh, it's going to be one uh, another, the second vehicle in the sort of BZ sub-brand that Toyota is, ma- is making, starting with the BZ4X that's going to come to the U.S. next year, the electric SUV. Now, this car is going to, we don't know the exact name, but it's going to be a BZ something as a sedan. No words if it's going to come out of China. 
hopefully it does because Toyota needs global all electric vehicle programs because it's uh, it's starving on that front right now. Stellantis CEO uh, had some interesting comments uh, this week about electric vehicle. He was uh, again at a Reuters conference. I cannot open this uh, article here. Yeah, Mr. Carlos Tavares. Uh, he's the he's the new CEO of Stellantis after the merger. Uh, he, he became CEO of the group. Of course, Stellantis, if you don't know, is the merger between Fiat uh, Chrysler and uh, P, the PSA Group, Peugeot, and all those all those companies. Uh, he came from PSA Group, which, if you were to decide would, which group was more uh, advanced in terms of electric vehicle, that would be the PSA Group, but not by a lot, to be honest. Because, uh, I mean, it's easy to be more advanced than the Fiat Chrysler group in terms of electric vehicles. So, But it, it did seem like it was encouraging that uh, uh, the merger, for, for the Stellantis merger, that uh, the Fiat Chrysler brands would go more electric. And they did announce uh, a plan earlier this year that uh, $30 billion investment into the n- three new electric vehicle platform that would enable a bunch of new electric cars across all the different brands of the Stellantis a group, but of course that was just an announcement, and because of uh, the past of Stellantis or or the brands under Stellantis, when it comes to electric vehicle, we weren't that excited about it. And it looks like Tavares basically confirmed our our suspicion here, because in comments he, uh, at the conference this week, he uh, he basically complained that the market, the markets, and not just the market, but the government and, and a bunch of different factor is forcing the auto industry. In, into this electric transition and they don't take into account the higher cost of making electric cars and okay let me let me just read you his comments so i'm not paraphrasing too much uh tavares said what has been decided is to impose on the automotive industry electrification that brings 50 percent additional cost against a conventional vehicle there's no way we can transfer 50% of additional cost to the final customer because most part of the megaplast will not be able to pay. That's an interesting comment here because he's, he's, he's sounding like a good guy. We don't want to put 50% higher prices on the poor middle class. Oh, yeah. But the other framing of that comment is like, Woo, it, it, how is it costing 50% more? Like, are you blind? Like, other automakers are producing them and they're not costing 50% more. Tesla in 2021 has been fully profitable making electric cars that you could argue are competitive in each of their segments for the, for, for the, the car with the conventional engine. So they, they are not more expensive in their own segments. Now, I do agree that it's harder at the lower end of the market to make a car that's uh, as ex- same price as a, a, a internal combustion engine vehicle. However, it's not 50%. It's probably closer to 20%, I'd say, 20, 30 at most. But that's, again, before accounting for uh, gas savings, which you're gonna, depending on your market and your electricity rates, you're going to save a lot of money there. So no excuse on that front. Uh, and he did say that um, he basically said that there, it's interesting. Over the next five years, we have to digest ten percent productivity a year in an industry which is used to delivering two to three percent productivity improvements. The future will tell us who is going to be able to digest this, and we will fail. 
we're putting the industry on the limits. I think hmm. I think with those comments, you're telling us we will fail. You will fail. <laughs> like that's, that's they the just thing. don't know how they're going to do it. Yes. If you don't know now, then it, like, it doesn't mean you won't know in the future, but it, it means that you are not ready for a transition that's already full swing. It's already happening now. Yeah, if, they should have been making these arguments 10 years ago. Yes. The, the, that that mindset that he has right now is a 10-year-ago mindset. You're right. right. So that's 10 years ago. I wouldn't blame – I was already all gonzo on electric cars, but I wouldn't blame anyone that's in the industry that's like, oh, how can we do that? Like it's going to be a hard – no one said it's going to be easy, but – And the, the, the complaining at this point is too late. You're complaining about something that's already happening. You, sh you, you uh, also, to be fair, you've been dealt a bad set of cards. Like he's a brand new CEO of a of a Stellantis, which doesn't have that much EV technology yet. But I mean, what do you think? Maybe like you know. I've never been that high on the Apple project, Apple car project. So whenever like they talk about oh, Apple should buy Lucid or something, I'm like, yeah, like, leave Lucid alone. Like they can do their own thing. Like Apple getting in bed with Stellantis would make a lot of sense, more, more sense to me. Like that you could, you, if Apple could buy that and just be, all right, let's convert everything you have to electric. Like just go all your production capacity all around the world. Let's go electric and produce Apple cars with Apple vehicles or whatever. I, I, that's pie in the sky, obviously. I don't think that's happening, but I, that would be the best case scenario for, for Stellantis. It would be. Uh, I don't like, there's a lot of like uncertainty there, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like, it's basically their whole operation is like stranded assets. Like, it's just one big stranded asset. I mean, they have employees that can put a, mm -hmm. together cars, that's good. They have like factories that might be good, might not be good. Like maybe you can't build a, a car, an electric car on a. Uh, no, you, you can. You, the Volkswagen proved it. The Zyco plant is now like a volume production EV plant. Like it's yeah. doable. It's, it's doable. not easy. It's not easy either. <laughs> it's probably easier to just start from scratch. Is what I'm saying. Probably, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't know, but but hiring these these days, the hiring is the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's so difficult to find people that want to work these days, like right. or want to work, especially in those kind of like technical jobs. Right. Like they already have a great workforce. It's gonna take a ton of money to retrain them to electric vehicles for sure. It's gonna be, uh, but it's it's gonna have to happen no matter what. Um, and if they do it on their timeline right now, they're gonna be the ones who fail. Right. If an Apple would come in and like inject a bunch of cash, which they have, and be like actually convert now it would probably accelerate apple's plan to achieve volume production that, that that's the thing we don't know what apple wants to do with it if apple wants to produce like like low volume like if apple wants to produce the mac the mac pro of the car industry it's going to be relatively low. how many a mac pro does apple sells a year like it's, it's not that much right not that many yeah compared to the so, iphone Yeah, compared to the iPhone or the MacBook or the Mac, even the MacBook Pro is probably much higher volume. Like the Mac, how, how much does it start the Mac Pro? It's in, it's pretty like five thousand dollars. No, it's not. No, for a Mac Pro, yeah. Oh, the, the, actual, the desktop, the, the desktop. desktop. Yeah, that's pretty pricey. But yeah, it's you're right. Super they don't expensive. sell many of those. They don't sell many of those, and 
uh, maybe the, the but it's, it's it's been a part of the Apple lineup for for decades. Yep. Uh, so maybe they want to do something similar in the industry or with, with something they're gonna sell like tens of thousands of units, maybe hundreds of thousands of units. But if Apple wants to go big and and be like a major automaker and own the transport experience for the customers, linked it to their iOS and their, their their ecosystem and everything on large volume, they're going to need to partner with a large-scale automaker. So it depends on what I, on what they want to do, but I, and I don't know what they want to do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just weird because you think of automakers as being like the biggest companies in the world, but like mm-hmm. Apple is so much bigger than everybody, <laughs> so including, I mean, they're, they're not a lot bigger than Tesla, but they're, you know, two and a half, three times the size of Tesla even. Mm-hmm. Um, so... They could, I mean, they could like buy up uh, a Stellantis probably pretty easy. I don't know what their market cap is right now, but I'm sure Apple has that kind of cash like mm-hmm. on hand or, you know, short term investments. So you're right. I mean, they could certainly do that. I just don't know that it would be easier than, you know, the alternative, the alternatives, which would be, you know, building your own or, or whatever. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of, a lot of old cru- cru- cruft in those kind of things. All right. Uh, should I get to the... Comments? Yeah, yeah. We're already on hour 10 in. All right. Question. How much is that extra motor going to cost reservation holders? That's from Spikes43. That's a good question. Uh, I would no hope that, that it would be the same price as the tri-motor version right now, but I doubt it. Yeah. Uh, quad, quad motor Hummer... I mean, sorry, quad motor cyber truck is going to be over a hundred thousand dollars. I guarantee. You think it. so? Oh boy, I don't it, think I, I I'd buy that. I I mean, it's the first one off the line. I mean, what what does a Model S cost right now? It's it's hard for me to imagine. The Plaid is super expensive, yeah. But all right, moving down. Uh, we talked about this one to solve FSD roadster mm-hmm. without a steering wheel. That'd be weird. Uh, has Elon indicated when beta will actually be safe? It's tried to kill me several times. We've all we've all been uh, attempted murder by yeah. FSD. So, I mean, um, re- if you read the warning that when you act- actually accept the full self driving beta, Tesla is very clear. Like you can't do the wrong thing at the worst time, so you have to be. So you have been warned. Uh, as he indicated, when it's going to be safe? I mean. Three years ago, it should have been safe, according to him. But it's 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 not. So uh, I don't I don't even know if it really like it's worth talking even about his timeline at this point. Uh, I'm going to Vermont, so this is important. Mm-hmm. Anecdotally, regular non-FSD autopilot on highway has been a lot worse in the past few weeks. It's getting pretty scary for me to use these days. Uh, I mean, it's not a de- anecdotally anecdotally. Like we we talked about it a week ago, two weeks ago. I posted my article about the phantom braking thing. That's like there's clearly been in the last few weeks an update that has changed a lot of autopilot for a lot of owners. Where there's there's a lot of more of those instances and and problems with autopilot. It's it's clear. I yeah. have the same issue. A lot of people have had the same issues. Yeah, the the difference is I'm going to Vermont without my wife this time, so I'm going to actually be able to use autopilot if I want to. <laughs> so I'll have, I'll have to be more careful. Yeah. Uh, ten point four tried to follow a dotted line into a wall a few weeks ago for me. Okay. Hmm. A Cybertruck will not be affordable as well if it will go into making if it will get to be made anytime soon. Doesn't seem to be a high priority due to the Model Y. That's a good point. Model Y they can't make fast enough. 
Yeah, well, Tesla has always been clear about that. The Cybertruck, they won't shift the focus to Cybertruck until they achieve volume production of the Model Y at Gigafactory Texas. Because, you know, they have a ton of employees right now at Gigafactory Texas or they're just they're deploying the Model Y production capacity. Some of those employees will work on those production lines for sure. But a lot of them, after after they're done with that, they, they need to deploy a new production line. That's what they, they do. So then they're going to focus their on the cyber truck so that's why that even like late 2022 is uh is, is still an ambitious timeline for tesla all right did any tesla hq staff have to relocate or else i I imagine some some yeah. people like especially half to what does that mean half to though like i'm sure there's a lot of people that raise their hands and they're like yep Yep. <laughs> uh, no income taxes in, te- in Texas. Yep. Uh, California being weird uh, right now these days in some in some aspects. And, and yeah, the politics. price of living, like your house is going to yeah. cost a tenth of what you're paying now. And uh, I mean, there's there's two school of thought on that, too. But the, the COVID restrictions, too, are very, very widely between California and Texas. So if you are more pro uh, liberties or pro uh, be careful about the vaccine. Like, it, so depending on which side you're on, the decision between California and Texas are pretty easy on that front too. So I'm sure. The, and I mean, did I say no income tax in Texas? Too? Like, there's there's a lot of people that probably like shifted right away. Um, also, but, tax reasons. But I'm pretty sure Tesla is not forcing anyone to move uh, to, to to Texas. Like, uh, they already had a bunch of engineering team in Austin. Uh, before even Gigafactory Austin. So here's an interesting question. KC5GTS says, any thoughts on why Toyota and Nissan did give up their lead in EVs? Um, I'm always brought back to this uh, Bloomberg New Energy Finance thing in San Francisco. We met mm. uh, one of those companies, uh, kind of a bean counter over there. Mm. And we were talking to him and we were like, hey, you know, why aren't you guys making more EVs or why, why aren't you planning to make more EVs? Mm. And he was just like, he had no idea what was coming. Like he was just looking at sales Mm. and he was looking at present day Mm. things and looking for trends Mm. there instead of like where the world was going. And I have to believe that they just had the wrong people making the decisions at that point. Yeah. That was kind of surreal experience for me too. Like you, you are at the, what's it like the, the four season, like super fancy hotel, like all those people all in suits and everything. They're talking about the future of the industries uh, of the auto industry and all the electrification, and everything. And, and we sit down with that guy and seems like a smart guy, like one of the, like you said, one of those two automakers and he was uh, production planning. That's what it like, uh, or model planning. Like he was planning like the, how to grow the EV and completely the way he was talking was like, so we're looking at the trends right now. We're looking at what the customers are buying. We're looking at the regulation. Regulation are a big factor. Big factors are regulation and everything. And we don't see uh, EV uh, being adopted at a more than 5% rate by 2025. And like, it's, you listen to that and like, like, all right. I'll say yeah, goodbye but, to yeah, selling my uh, stock yeah. in your yeah. company. All right. Uh, Greg says, question, do you think the new EV tax credit will qualify cars on the based on the base MSRP or the including options? Reading uh, reason for the question above is Rivian's uh, with or without options tend to be right on the cusp of the cutoff for pickups uh, and SUVs. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, I would wait for the final version coming out of the Senate, but the uh, I don't remember 
reading anything in the version that came out of the house about the MSRP. I think the way that it's written right now, it would be interpreted as the price that's listed, like what's what what you're paying, like at, at the end of the day on your bill. If it's more than that price, you won't get access to it. The way it's written right now. Yeah, I mean, it's likely once it comes out, Rivian and other makers will do things to like get the price down. Maybe. They could sell. They could sell. I mean, they could do what Tesla did in Canada, and you know, sell a car with a reduced range. And but like like that in Canada, to use the example of Canada, if if it's like that where you have an MSRP and the price with option, there's also a limit on the price with option, and we, there's not none of that in the current version of the bill. So that's why I would assume that it's the uh, the, the the list price. So. Because in Canada, it's like it's forty five thousand MSRP, and it goes up to fifty five thousand or something like something like that. All right, Justin Moore says with the concept of the EV nine, uh, it's a Hyundai or uh, Kia, yeah, yeah. It's being released. Do you think we'll finally see more full size SUVs hit the market? That is a major gap right now for families with three plus kids. That's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, it, really, we need to see more third row vehicles. The, yeah. The, the uh, Model Y is really the only thing. If you if you call that little backseat a, mm. a third row, well, the Model uh, X, but the Model X was because had the, right. a year Yaris and it didn't exist. <laughs> right. um, yeah, I mean it, it's going there. Uh, you, you you have some like the, you have the Rivian to the bigger one, but that's the higher market. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to see the EV9. What's going to be the price point on that? It's going to be interesting. Yeah, we saw a new what was it? An Audi? Something this week that was really long. Oh, it was a Polestar, Polestar 5 or whatever, preset. Mm-hmm. All right, green gold, hybrid vehicles are still much cheaper than EVs. Hopefully that will change in the near future. What do you think about Tesla's battery efforts and where do, where we are now regarding production? And maybe the 4680 cells? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's starting to look like maybe the volume production is going to start in Texas before it starts in Berlin. So that's interesting, but uh, it's not clear. Uh, apparently, Tesla is still producing cells out of the Fremont pilot plant. Uh, it doesn't look like they have achieved the 10 gigawatt hour just yet. Apparently, they're still working on some aspect of the of the production lines. Uh, the, the silicone, the new silicone that they developed for it, the dry electrode process. There's a, there's a lot of things that needs to be ironed out completely smooth before they can reach the volume production at those other plants because they're really learning a lot uh, from that Fremont factory plant. Um, but yeah, it sounds like next year there's going to be some Model Y vehicle produced with uh, Tesla 4680 cells produced in-house. All right. And that's it for the comments. All right. Well, thanks a lot, everyone. If you're listening right now, you're a true a true EV fan, a true electric fan. And we've been an hour, 20 minutes into it. So thanks a lot. Appreciate you if you're listening right now. Uh, if you are, you can leave us a, a review on your podcast app, Five Star Review. That helps the show a lot more than you can imagine. Uh, and it's free to do. And uh, if you did like uh, the video, you can give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Algorithms love that. And uh, we're going to see you same time next week. Have a good one.